0: Hello America. Today we have a fascinating podcast. This is a guy who has been speaking out on what's going on in Ukraine for about three years now. Uh, His name is Andrei Teleshenko. He is a former advisor to the prosecutor general in Ukraine, the guy that Joe Biden fired. And if you think he's going to be an apologist for him, I think you'll be shocked to hear. He didn't last long. With that prosecutor general. Why? And why is he sticking up for him today? You'll see. He's also a former advisor of the first deputy prime minister of Ukraine. He has a lot of credentials. He also has seen a lot. He went to work for the uh, Ukrainian embassy in Washington, D.C., and he actually was the guy who set up the meetings between their anti corruption bureau in Ukraine. And the DOJ and the Obama administration meeting at the White House. He said red flags were everywhere and he brought it up to the ambassador and he has been talking about this for years. Nobody really wanted to listen. Now he's trying to let his voice be heard, but media companies say, well, your story doesn't match with the story that we're telling. It doesn't match with what we're hearing from the ambassador. Well, you know who it does match with? Our chalkboard. While we have a few things wrong, perhaps, in the chalkboard, he sets us straight on those things. Do you believe him? You're going to have to decide. Listen to him, or if you're viewing this, look him in the eye and tell me if you think he's just playing a game and just trying to uh, do the bidding of Rudy Giuliani, or if he's telling the truth. Today, a one-on-one with Andrei Teloshenko from the Ukraine. I uh, I don't know if you watch much television or see much of what's going on here, but we don't know who to believe uh we're getting two separate stories and the investigations that we have done we we have found a completely different story than what we're getting in the media have you seen any of our reporting
1: yeah i just actually a couple of days ago my friend sent, sent me a link to your program when you described the whole narrative what happened from the beginning so basically today On the the collusion of DNC on the Biden story on everything, so basically I watched it and then I got a call from your show to to go on air. So that was interesting and right. You talked about it perfectly, almost time time to time. Date and date was involved, so it was a good picture to actually give example in your program to other people to understand what is happening in this story because. A lot of people don't know. They think, well, it's only today that Giuliani starts this investigation. They right. don't understand what happened years before this. And it's a bigger picture than it is in the mass media today.
0: Right. And I want to get into what has happened with Giuliani, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I really want to start at the beginning because I think there are two stories. Did Trump do something wrong? Did Giuliani do something wrong? And that is separate from what were the Democrats doing if they were both doing something wrong, we should know that. If one side was doing it, we should know that as well. I just want to find out the facts on corruption, because your country has enough problems. You don't need Americans coming over and making things worse. Um, you were let, Let's start here. You were the former advisor to the prosecutor general of Ukraine. That was Shokin, was it not?
1: It was and... It was Shokin afterwards also. I worked with him for uh, three, four months, and then I resigned and work, went to work at the Ukraine embassy in Washington, okay. uh, where the other guns happened.
0: So, can you help us get a handle on Shokin? Uh, Shokin is now said to be totally corrupt, but we don't know what the corruption was. Um, he was uh, fired because he was corrupt, didn't have anything they say to do with Burisma. First of all, can you tell us about Shokin and the charges that he was corrupt? Has he ever been charged with corruption? What, what is the story on him?
1: Uh, Victor Shokin, uh, the former prosecutor general of Ukraine, was never charged with any corruption deals. And for everybody to know, I, even though I worked for him, I resigned because I didn't support some of his ideas that he was working on at that time. It was not only Bruce, but there's a things working things to work on in Ukraine, and I didn't support someone, so that's why I resigned. And uh, so I don't wanna protect anybody here. And I just wanna say, what really happened is a whole project of uh, pro-liberal media NGOs were barricading the prosecutor's office, Shokin's office, my former other boss, Heidi Irma, uh, office at that time and protested against corruption, even though we just started working. Shokin, as he became the prosecutor, the second day, they started to protest those NGOs, the pro Soros, pro Open uh, World Foundation NGOs who were attacked involved in this also. And they just said, oh, you're corrupt from day two. And that was they had no narrative behind it. They had no evidence. Shokin was never prosecuted for corruption. And there was no court ruling. There was no, not even investigation. So, on, the only corruption case there is is Biden talking, or anybody else from the Open World Society Foundation or Burisma talking that he was corrupt. On the other hand, we have no evidence. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. That's for the court okay. and for the prosecutors investigators okay. to prove.
0: Okay, that that's that clears up an awful lot. So, um let me let me ask you this or restate this to make sure I'm on the right track. You worked for Shokin, but you uh, left his employ. You quit about four months in, not because of corruption, but because you didn't necessarily agree with the things that he was prioritizing. Is that correct? Yes.
1: Uh, I didn't agree with some of the priorities he was taking. And my advice uh, was not listened to. So I said, look, I'm just going to resign and move forward. You do your work, and we'll continue to be in contact if needed. That's it. That's right. how I laugh at So it. I still had good contact with the prosecutor's office all right. after that, and still so agree today.
0: Right. But so you have – you're not carrying water for him because you don't necessarily agree with, with his policies. You just don't – he wasn't corrupt. And it was – I want to make sure I understand this, because this is something that the American media will never cover, and that is you say that it was from day one – the George Soros organization that was, that wanted him out. Why would they want him? Why would they want him out?
1: That was the question we were asking them. We came up to the protesters. I was the one who actually coordinated communication with the protesters on his behalf, on the prosecutor General's behalf, asking, look, guys, what happened? What is the story behind your protest? We're ready to cooperate. Let's go in. We'll show you what's needed. Let's get involved together. You're our the NGOs, your member organizations, let's cooperate together and fight corruption. We we invited them to the prosecutor's office, and they still, after that, even got worse in protesting all over Facebook, all over pro- physical protests every day by the prosecutor's office, and nobody knew at the time what they're doing, what was their agenda. But their agenda was, at the end, as we see today, is the Burisma investigation against. Uh, Maurice, money laundering, money, and Hunter Biden being involved in it. That's the main thing we see today as their narrative, because at that time, we didn't understand what their narrative was.
0: All right, so let me go back to the United States and let's start taking this timeline a little bit. Um, How hands-on was the Obama administration in Ukraine?
1: It was fully after Maidan, and I was also active participant of Maidan. I was one of the leaders of the out of Maidan and coordinated all the international work with uh, the State Department and other embassies in Ukraine during that period after Maidan, after the revolution. It was as hard on. coordination from Washington, from the White House, from Biden, exactly, coming to Ukraine every time and telling everybody what to do in a matter which was inappropriate for a foreign country to intervene into internal politics of another foreign sovereign country.
0: And when you say he was telling people what to do, what do you mean he was telling people what to do?
1: Oh, you should, you should guys put this guy in prison. You should not touch that guy. You should do whatever we tell you because we know what to do better, you guys are corrupt, and we will handle it from here now, we will give you money, if you don't do this, we will not give you money. So, this example of fire and choking was not the only example, his involvement in Ukraine was on withholding funds for Ukraine. I was in those meetings when we asked for US assistance, military assistance or military aid to Ukraine when the war in the East started, and Crimea got annexed, and we were told no. Prove it, it's the Russians, and we won't help you, but we will only give you blankets or medical aid kits. So when Biden's telling we will help Ukraine or we're going to help Ukraine, he's doing basically the opposite of what he told us at that time, and he was telling us the opposite at that time what he's telling today you the US, U.S. public, during the selection process.
0: Okay, so let me play devil's advocate here, and I, I don't mean to insult you or your country by any stretch here. I just, okay, um, if I had two trillion dollars, two billion dollars, five hundred dollars, and uh I'm going to give it to somebody, but I think they have a history of being corrupt. I, I would be saying, look, you, you gotta change your lifestyle, you gotta get these corrupt people out. Is it unreasonable for us if we're giving you money to say, hey, we just want to make sure this money is being watched over, it's not being abused, it's not it's not involved in more corruption.
1: That's a reasonable advice, a reasonable approach. But we were telling them, look, let's work together to, to reform our corrupt, uh, our anti-corruption bodies: the prosecutor's office, the secret service, the police. Let's not form something new. But they wanted to form something new, which was a hundred percent reliable and only to the U.S. government or to the FBI or the DOJ. That was the problem. Ukraine in 1994 gave away the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world for, in return, nothing. And we were guaranteed a sovereignty and, and right. military support or military aid protection, right. which we never received right. when the war started with Russia right. and when they intervened in our political processes. And we have examples like Egypt were getting $2 billion for 20 years without nobody asking Why is Egypt corrupt or uncorrupt? Right. So there's an issue there today. But Ukraine, on the other hand, was a project which everybody wanted to come in and tell us what to do. That was the problem. And you cannot do that. If we don't want any aid, if you tell us we want to give you just aid, don't go on your own and we will work on your own. We will reform the country on our own. But we want to work together with the United States as an ally not our, uh father or a godfather to us mm-hmm. will tell us what to do. Interesting. Unfortunately, Vice President Biden, when he would come in with his whole staff and the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, would, in a very inappropriate manner, tell the Ukrainian government, the prosecutor general, what to do, how to do it. And basically, there was an intervention into this whole inter-Ukrainian process, which was unacceptable from what I saw, even though I grew up in the States. I, uh, I like American values, but every country is sovereign. I cannot come to the United right. States and tell who to vote for, who to, who to support. I can only give my example as uh, an option. That's okay. for you guys to choose what to do next. And this is the same thing you want here.
0: All right. So let me skip ahead a little bit. Um, the United States insisted that we start a uh, a national anti-corruption bureau and that it was our design and uh we would put it together with you and we would become partners on this um my feeling is and i have nothing to back this up other than looking at the storyline and i'd love your opinion on this my feeling is is this is um the united states government's way of controlling it even more Uh, And making sure that corruption is is all funneled through our people and the people that we have helped select as evidenced by, you know, the uh, the guilty verdict by, uh, you know, on the on the guy who was the head of that organization. Is this is this the right way to look at it or why was that formed, in your opinion?
1: It was formed as something that the U.S. government thought uh, it would work. But in the Ukraine re- realities, it didn't. And we were telling them, it's not gonna work if you're gonna just do it, copy the US idea or example, and just implement it in Ukraine. We have a different value system, we have a different ethic system, and different cultural system, which you also have to, have to put intact. Right. But they only listened to the Open World and Antac Foundation, which was found, funded by them, because then they would not, those guys would not tell them, oh, this is bad because they would wanna still receive money from them. As soon as they would tell them this is not gonna work, they're going to, the funding's gonna get, get cut up from them. But when we told them it's not gonna work, they started telling, oh, you guys are corrupt prosecuted or you should be prosecuted, you should, you, we should not listen to you. It's not, and this is the problem. They only listened to the people who didn't tell them, uh, didn't act as the devil's advocate. They were just telling them what they want to hear And they implemented the system, the NABU, the Ukrainian anti-corruption body, which is working for a couple of years already. And uh, people are getting good salaries there, over $5,000, which is pretty good for Ukraine when everybody else is an average of maximum up to $1,000 in salary. And these guys are investigators getting more than $5,000 every month, and the head is getting up to $15,000. Zero cases. Zero cases were prosecuted for Given an outcome to, them, to the court within the next within the last couple of years, and the problem is is that it was all coordinated with the U.S. Embassy here, and nobody else listened to anybody in any Ukrainian who tried to intervene into the system. That was okay. the problem. And it was not only Ambassador Ivanovich who was taken out of her post, but it was also a fellow named George Kent, who was a D.C.M. at that time, and he was the godfather of the Nabu. He was. Before the uh, director of INL, it was a division within the State Department who oversaw all the anti corruption bodies all over the world or police forces and prosecutor forces. And he was the one who implemented this idea. But unfortunately, he only listened to his NTAC fellows, which didn't tell them anything. That
0: and that is the. Didn't act as a and that's the Soros group. They were listening to the yeah. Soros. Group. Yeah,
1: that's, okay. that's, I'm taking the Soros from the, from yeah. the organization, okay. the, a U.S. funded organization, which money launders money within their own system, and then just makes money millions and millions of dollars from the U.S. government and uh, from your taxes and from people from Soros. That's huh. that's their how they work. And everybody's putting an eyes on their corruption, but when they want to focus on corruption, they try to get kid or anybody else and right. say oh, these guys are corrupt.
0: So Andre, let's let's go now to Barisma and Hunter Biden's role uh, there at Barisma. There's a couple of things that bother me beyond money, but let's start with the money. Joe Biden comes in, and uh, as he is talking to your government about anti-corruption, we're also talking about investing. Billions of dollars into the natural gas and oil industry. The natural gas and oil industry is, if I understand the workings of Ukraine enough, that is where big money is and a lot of corruption. flows through the oil and gas industry, correct? So so when when the vice president says, I'm going to play point man and I'm going to direct this money. And he says Burisma. You know that that the guy who's running Burisma also is running, uh, how do you say it, Privat Bank, uh, the, the big bank there?
1: No, that was another world That was Kolomoisky. He didn't have any connection with Burisma. It was uh, Mr. Luchefsky, a former minister of ecology under uh, President Yukovych. And uh, private Bank was owned by Mr. Colomois. Who's another old guard, not connected to Boris at all.
0: Oh, I he, thought he, he was.
1: He in gas a lot. He has a lot of gas investments, but they're not connected to Burisma. They do work together on some in projects, but not. they're not. Okay.
0: Thought they were good. Good correction on that. Um, we might come back to that uh, just so I understand it. Um, um, all right. So, um, Burisma is known as what kind of company? Clean company, good company, in Ukraine at the time.
1: Ukraine, at that time, a lot of people did not know what Burisma was, and it was brought up by to the public by the government of Ukraine and when uh, the first uh, one of the first prosecutors after Maidan began to open the investigation into their processes and had a court in London, which, unfortunately, Ukraine lost due to uh, the lack of uh, professionalism. Some bodies within the prosecutor's office who are also affiliated with Soros people, but that's later on. We can talk about that. Okay. But there was Burisma in Ukraine is also known as a company which is connected to Mr. Zlochevsky, a guy who was working under Yanukovych, the minister of ecology of Ukraine, and made a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars through corrupt schemes and government laundering money back and forth. And that's where he invested this money into this company called Burisma and tried to make it clean by getting U.S. Uh, citizens, top citizens as we saw and top influential people into the board of directors of this company and basically put it on the market as one of the top largest developing gas and, oil
0: companies in Ukraine. Why was why was burisma selected by uh, Joe Biden and the United States to be the recipient of of the money?
1: Uh once again, uh recipient of which one? Oh, the the billions of dollars? Yes. That that I cannot answer. That is I, but maybe because Hunter Biden wasn't on the board, but I cannot answer in detail. Okay. I want to get you.
0: Okay. So it was, it it was not a, it was like a no bid contract. I mean, there was not bids that were coming in from all the different oil companies or gas companies. We just selected this company.
1: In Ukraine, if there's a bids, the Ukraine, the Ukraine government knows how to fix those bids, and basically they put up pretend, all the contestants there on the bids who cannot, who uh-huh. can do something uh-huh. and who uh-huh. win. And you will know who's going to be the winner from the beginning. And it's, they just make it on paper to look nice and file it as a report. Wow. But um, the real stuff, there's no bids. It's just one company who comes in, the other winners are confident at all and the the company that comes in like barista or anything else can just win right away without going through the whole process and just put
0: some paper that the process of what did go through and basically it's already corruption so the corruption that shokin was looking at um and i don't know if we're going to be able to get to this whole answer here before the break but uh the corruption that shokin was looking at did it revolve around Joe Biden's son, and did Joe Biden clearly know they were looking into that corruption when he asked for Shokin to be fired?
1: First of all, yes, that's, uh, that was the case that Shokin was, the prosecutor's office under Shokin was looking into the case of that money and Hunter Biden involvement and the money, how the laundered money out of Ukraine, because that was also a case, and you know, with the Ukraine National Bank and all the right. Baltic banks that were involved in the Cyprus. Uh, bank, and that was the case that was, I was looking after uh, the London place was lost okay. prior to this couple of months. And okay. then when Biden came in, Biden knew what Burisma was, and I can tell you that. And he was involved, he knew what his son was involved in, and he knew what was doing there. He was not doing anything there because he's not a professional politician. <laughs> right? Economic expert gas expert, <laughs> right. he was there to, to his father, and that was the main idea why Biden helped Hunter Biden to be in this company.
0: So you you say Joe Biden did know that his son was on the board, he knew what was going on, and he knew that Chokin was uh, investigating that goes against everything that the media and joe biden is saying today
1: but you have to understand some of the logical points without my evidence or anybody else's evidence is you're the vice president of the united states your son goes on the board of directors of a foreign company you have the authority to find out what the company is from different sources start from intelligence United States. I mean, with other audits, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know what your what your son is involved in, and you actually you follow the steps. That was what Mister Biden was doing, being really hardcore involved in Ukraine. Basically, when he used to come to Ukraine, he was thought as he was, was named Uncle Joe. Everybody who knew him was in contact with him. They could solve their problems, gain power, even though if they were corrupt. But if, if you like them, if they spoke good English and they have liberal values or views, you keep them in power. Even though they were corrupt or had 0% ratings, as one of our former prime ministers, Mr. Yatsinouk, who's a good friend of Mr. Biden. And he kept him for a long time to be in power, even though the, the, the people did not support him. His this, uh, party in the government had zero rating. It, they didn't even ballot. Themselves on the last election. So so this is what, examples of what Mr. Biden was doing in Ukraine.
0: What was the reaction of the Ukrainians when Biden gave this ultimatum? You're not getting a dime unless you fire him before I get on the plane. What? What was the reaction by the government and the people?
1: First of all, it wasn't public at that time that his reaction was that as. It was. He talked about when he became public that video from the conference when he talked about firing Mr. Shokin and calling him an, uh, wow. a bad word. I want to talk about it here in the media. And uh, that was a furious reaction from a lot of everybody. We know basically corrupt or uncorrupt. You're talking about a former government official or of foreign country, and you're being a former vice president. I'm going to come out on your show and start talking about the former president of the United States or anybody else from the former government. It won't be it won't be unacceptable to anybody. So basically, what when this happened, there were a lot of people in the government knew what was going on when he fired Shokin because and everybody knew that it was under the order of the vice president Biden because it was all coming to this stage with all these protests, with all this pressure from every NGO, from all the other uh, affiliated organizations with the U.S. Embassy and who were involved in fighting corruption, as they call it call them in Ukraine, it was coming to this point that somebody would get fired. And it was, everybody knew a month before this was going to Mr. Shokin. But we didn't think, the Ukrainians did not think that it will go to this end, that the Vice President would put an ultimatum of firing a government official, so what would was... things to talk about it? You should fire this. You should fire it. Right. It was not put in a right. form. I'll give you a couple of hours, and you should do this because after what after they fired Shokin, when they had Mr. Lutsenko hired as the prosecutor general, a voter him as a prosecutor general, they had to change the law for him to become the prosecutor general of Ukraine. He was basically he doesn't he doesn't have a law degree until today. He had to become the prosecutor general you know, by the changing of the law, which is which is a di- whole different procedure within our system. So basically, they just spit on everybody and did what they wanted. To do. And they put somebody who was affiliated to Poroshenko and who Poroshenko could control as the prosecutor instead of putting some professional who could really do oh, things wow. in the prosecutor. Law. All
0: right. So hang on, hang on, hang on. There's a... Hang on. There's a lot to unpack here. Right, yeah. uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So let me let me go back. So the people, they knew that, I mean, the Eastern Bloc countries, the, the former Soviet Bloc countries, they're very clear on who Soros is. Uh, some countries have banned Him from involving himself at all or any of his NGOs. So they're very clear on who he is, where here in America, we deny um, any nefarious intent from George Soros. So the people knew that these protests on the street were coming from these Soros NGOs. And they did they view uh, Shokin as a good guy standing up against this NGO? Or not?
1: You have to understand. They people didn't understand what was going on. Some did view him as an okay prosecutor. Some did not because you understand if you. It, it depends how the media spins it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And half, half the media spend it one way as uh, sure pro left. The pro the organization mm-hmm. wanted it, and half the media spend it as a neutral way. As it really or was, it was it okay. from the beginning.
0: Right. Basically,
1: the, the society was divided, and when Shokin got fired. Society was divided also
0: so but when they found out that it was the the United States government and Joe Biden there had been no prosecution no investigation of shokin and so the people must have been uh, more than a little shocked that this came so strongly from Joe Biden
1: of course because and um, the reaction of the people was the election process in Ukraine, where they voted seventy-four percent for a candidate, was not even politics prior to this. They so wait, wait, wait. So twenty-four percent voted for the president.
0: So you're saying that the Joe Biden firing um, played a huge role in the next election? That it was that that was the one of the things that lit that fire.
1: Of course, it was one of the things that was lit that fire, and. One of the things that people were fed up with where Ukraine, unfortunately, was bending for our allies, not cooperating with them as partners, but just working as some schoolboy and our president was running in front of them as a schoolboy.
0: Let me go to January 2016. You're working at the Ukrainian embassy in Washington, D.C. at the time, right? And uh, a woman named Alexandra Chalupa told an official at the DNC that she felt that she was sure there was a Russia connection between Donald Trump and Russia. Um, And that same month, there was a meeting between Obama administration officials and Ukrainian prosecutors. And the idea was they're going to bring in the the National Anti-Corruption Bureau. Uh, and you're going to meet with the FBI, and we're going to teach you how not to be corrupt. Um, and were you present or involved in in that meeting being set up, and were you there when when it happened?
1: Um, yes, I was. I was uh, asked to help organize uh, that meeting also because... It was part of my duties at the embassy, and it was me being involved in the prosecutors office in Ukraine before the ambassador asked me to be involved in that meeting. But the interesting thing is, it was I was involved in two meetings out of a week long of meetings with the NABU, the, the Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, and the uh, fighting the Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, and then I was blocked from attending any other meeting which was basically a shock for the embassy and this never happened before okay wait 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 actually happened
0: i didn't i didn't understand i i didn't i didn't hear what you said was a shock you were also involved in what
1: i was i wasn't i wasn't that meeting i was i was helped to organize that meeting but then after because they were not only meeting in the white house they had members of meetings within the FBI and DOJ. Right. They're talking about corruption as they stop in Ukraine. But I was blocked, the Ukrainian embassy in Washington was blocked from attending any of those other meetings after the first meeting with the White House.
0: And why do you suppose that was?
1: For us it was really shocking at point because usually when a foreign delegation comes, the embassy of the country which is the representatives of the country comes with them in every meeting and assists them on every meeting and they cannot get blocked from attending anything else if it's not only by the will of those attendees but because they're government officials we have to be with them all the time right and the u.s government just told us in the doj and fbi just told us you're not allowed to attend those meetings sorry that's it uh, i only attended the white house meeting which happened in january another meeting at the fbi headquarters everything else. The Ukrainian embassy, and he as an official was blocked from attending.
0: What was the conversation in the uh, embassy on why they would do that? It had never been done before. It seems like a slap in the face to the embassy. What was the speculation?
1: The ambassador made phone calls. They just said, "We are you're not allowed to attend." That's it. Not nor me, nor the ambassador, nobody else. So you know, for us, it was we just wrote a letter of uh, protests protest to the State Department right, right afterwards and that's it. Huh.
0: Okay, so um was the director of I think you call it Nobu uh Naboo uh was that Sitnik, right? Yes, Sitnik, Sitnik. Okay. And was he there at those meetings?
1: It was Artem Sidnit, the director of Navu, It was special uh, uh, corruption prosecutor, Nazarkov Nitsky, and it was a deputy assistant prosecutor of Ukraine, the Licek Valeridze, who were attending those meetings in Washington and that meeting at the White House in January 2016.
0: And what was the subject matter on the ones that you did attend?
1: Basically, this national secu- it was National Security Council of the White House, who were the other side of the representatives from the United States, and it was on the Ukrainian side. And also, it was the attendees from the Department of Justice. It was uh, Mr. Jeff Paul, who was uh, representing the Department of Justice, and a woman from FBI who were in those meetings. And they did all the talking. They didn't let nor Mr. Sitnik, nor Mr. Kovinsky, nor Mr. Sekwer talk at all. They basically reported for them to the National Security Council. And when the National Security Council, people asked for any input or any other investigations to be done. Also, the Department of Justice were basically did, were doing the talking. they didn't let the Ukrainian side talk at all, which was basically extraordinary. And that's when I heard from the National Security Council request to investigate the Party of Regions. It was a party where Paul Manafort used to be involved with. Used to consult them, and they asked to investigate any connections of Party of Regions, former Yanukovych uh, president, with U.S. citizens. They didn't say, say Manafort. They didn't say. Any, they didn't mention their name. But a couple of weeks afterwards, Holdinsky told me that they actually gave him the black flagger to investigate. That was basically the, their Washington visit was to talk about the black ledger and they were they, they did not know that it was the black ledger at the time. So it was basically a shock when it came afterwards with all this basically involvement in this process.
0: There's one thing that has bothered me and I'd love to see if you have any information or, a, or an opinion on this. The day that Paul Manafort was, uh, was charged and, and was it was announced that he was in the black ledger. Um, uh Tony Podesta's um he Tony Podesta has had a, a uh a huge firm here in America, a lobbyist group. He spent a lot of time uh over with the Podesta Group. The day that Manafort uh was uh was arrested or they said they're coming out, here's the Black Ledger, Pod- the Podesta Group closed its doors without any explanation. And it's been my feeling that Podesta was doing the same thing and he's just kind of been erased because it's very, very odd that somebody with that much power, that much clout, that much money, uh, and that kind of record just closes in emergency way. It doesn't say, hey, we're going to retire, we're winding things down, just locks the door. Is there anything on Podesta that you've ever heard, the Podesta group?
1: But there's a lot of U.S. involvement in Ukraine over the last couple of years, and Podesta was one of them. I, I don't know their detailed operations, but there was also the involvement of a person named Craig Craig, who is Greg uh, Craig,
0: Craig. Greg Craig, so was, the uh, he was yeah, the president's attorney. He was the president's personal attorney, <laughs> President Obama.
1: Yeah, he was involved in Ukraine. His name was coming up in meetings. Uh, right after the revolution, right after my daughter, the revolution. And people were talking about him, and nobody knew what he was doing exactly, but he was involved in Ukrainian politics one way or another. And when the Black Ledger came up, his name was also in the air and t- being talked about that he was also be in a payroll. But eventually, his name was never mentioned enough in the media to get look into this uh, profile, and from what I heard, the court made a decision that it was, there was no, nothing illegal from his actions in the United States. That's the latest I heard, and which was strange, even though what he was doing here, nobody can answer directly. Was he involved with the State Department and the U.S. Embassy? Yes, he was, from what we know, uh, from the Ukrainian government. And what exactly was his actions here is for the U.S. and Ukrainian authorities also to tell the public, I think.
0: So did the Anti-Corruption Bureau, uh, is it your theory or your witness that um, that the Obama administration uh, requested in some way or another this Black Ledger information to investigate what was going on with Paul Mal- M- Manafort to con- to um, confirm a connection of some sort with Donald Trump and and uh, Russia?
1: Yes, that was the first stage of, from what I understood with the connection and they tried to, tried to go after Paul Manafort was from this January meeting and after we talked with Mr. Khodlitsky, they, they said there was, there was a lot of pressure from the U.S. Embassy in Kiev for them to do this. And Mr. Sidnik, I was uh, in contact with him prior for a couple of years and he used to just brag about how he goes to the U.S. Embassy in Kiev and reports to them twice a week on what was going on and takes words from them. And he talks about it in public. And I think there's also reporting right now online, but he used to do this to everybody. He just brag about how he's in bed with basically the US Embassy in Kiev. And they're telling him what to do. So that's uh, not a novel secret here in Ukraine, but nobody's reporting about this in the US, unfortunately.
0: So Alexandra Chalupa. Most people have never heard of her. She um, is described now by the U.S. media just as a soccer mom. Um, But she was working with the American embassy in D.C. when you were there. Can you tell me? Go ahead. Can
1: Yes, the the Ukrainian embassy.
0: Yes, Ukrainian embassy in the United States. Can you tell me... um, uh, was she working with the embassy? What was she? What was her involvement with the embassy?
1: When I first met her, was it was end of March 2016, and I, I didn't hear about her beforehand. I, I know that there were Ukrainian Americans coming to the embassy often and talking to the ambassador, working on different issues, but. When I met her was the first time in March 2016, and uh, I was introduced to her by the BCM at that time, Chouillard, in a cafe outside the embassy, and she said, you have to talk to this woman. And Chalupa introduced herself as a DNC operator, DNC worker. She's collecting dirt on Manafort and Trump. They're going after her, but she's almost to get killed if she does this, but she's still willing to pursue this idea that Russia was involved or Russia's behind Donald Trump. And if I can use my contacts as a high former government official in Ukraine to help her in this investigation and help the DNC and take Trump off the elections through a congressional committee hearing aired by Marcy Kaptur in September 16, and then basically a month right before the election. And afterwards, after this meeting with Chalupa, I started asking questions. I started asking the ambassador, do you know this woman? He says, yes, Charlie, the Ukraine ambassador in Washington says, I know Chalupa, you have to work with her. She's a friend of the embassy and she's doing the work that is gonna bring some positive aspects to Ukraine after the election. And that's when my relationship at the embassy started to break with the ambassador. And a couple of months later, I resigned
0: back to Ukraine. OK, so you your testimony here is that the ambassador not only knew who she was, but knew that she worked with the DNC and there was some sort of an exchange of she would help uh, Ukraine afterwards if we would just uh, if you would just help her now.
1: Well, it was not. She's going to help. It's going to the whole process of we're going to help her. Okay, and be helpful for Ukraine right after the election. Okay, and she was meeting the ambassador quite often during official events at the embassy. They would come up to his office and talk. And we the, talked about I don't know, but right. That's when I started to mention who was uh, Mrs. Alexander Shulikov.
0: And so. um... You you believe that the ambassador did know she was on the payroll. She was representing herself as working for the DNC.
1: Of course. That's how she represented herself to me right away. And we had only one meeting. She told me basically the whole story, what she was doing and what she was doing. And she doesn't hide it. Look at her social media. She... She well, she says, she, her, a says worker, and
0: she says now that she was just doing this on her own accord. She wasn't working for the DNC. This was something that she was pursuing just as a concerned citizen.
1: Maybe she was, but she introduced to me as a DNC operative. She had a DNC worker, and I was introduced to her. I, I didn't bump, her, bump into her in the street. I was introduced to her by the DCM at the embassy. And then I have to talk to this woman and give her help. And basically, she came to an official meeting with me asking for help to find dirt on presidential candidate at that time, Donald Trump, and his team, Paul Manafort, and everybody else.
0: Did the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine know about this? I'm sorry, I let miss the last part of that.
1: But I don't know what she told anybody else, how she introduced herself, but uh, when I reported to Charlie that who I met and what I, the request was, And I explained to her this was Oksana Chalupa. but he said, you have to work with her. I know who she is. If Oksana, the DCM, tells you to work with this woman, you have to work with this woman. That's that was the answer.
0: Um, Did the did the U.S. embassy in Ukraine know about this relationship?
1: That I don't know. I know that after right now, before the elections and right after the elections, I heard things from Washington. that People knew that the Ukraine embassy was doing this, not only with Chalut, but with, there were other segments which were, I was not involved in. Okay. That there was cooperation yeah. on, with, with basically taking one side in, in the campaign, referred to another.
0: Okay. Um, did, and you voiced this concern to your ambassador um, in Washington, D.C. And, um, <laughs> pardon me?
1: Yeah, right. Right after the meeting, I went right. to his office and said, look, this, this is disturbing."
0: And um, what was his reaction to you? You said your—that's when your relationship started to kind of fall apart. Um, what was his reaction to your not willing to, or your at least your willingness to say, "I don't think this is right."
1: His reaction was, I'm giving an order to cooperate with her. You have to cooperate with her. And then when I start to back off, I said, I'm not going to get involved with this because this is, first of all, unethical and illegal, maybe. And uh, we cannot do this. And I want, I, I wanted to report back to EV. He didn't let me, even though I think official Kiev and the Ukrainian president knew what was going on because Charlie has direct phone access with the president twice a week, president of Ukraine twice a week on his schedule. So the president wasn't, Ukraine didn't know what was going on. And he was basically taking orders also from Kiev. So he was doing also a job and he was telling me to do something. So that was this whole idea. And when I told them, let's work with the Trump campaign also, because I was I was overseeing the election process at the embassy, reporting back on how the primaries were going. That was my job to work with the campaigns. And I said, look, we talked to every campaign, Cruz, uh, some people from like Oksana Shular, she had a good relationship with the Hillary team, she spoke with Hillary, but let's talk to the Trump campaign and let's coordinate some work with them, on like Ukraine, the whatever the other embassy does. And he said, don't talk to Trump campaign, if you do, you're gonna get fired. And that's when things got really bad and I understood that he's not gonna, he's basically started blocking me at every other meetings and blocking me from attending, I, any other official meetings at the embassy or outside the
0: embassy. Did you tell anybody else at the time that can verify that, that this was happening? Did you tell anybody else, any friends, any communications with anyone?
1: No, there are some people that I did uh, work, I was in contact and I did tell them what was the, what was the process. And, uh, some, there are some friends who I used to work with before the Ukraine government, my former boss. Right. And that's when I, but I, then I kept quiet and I just understood look, uh, it's not going to work out. It's not the dream job. I just wanted to, I'm just going to leave. I don't have to be involved in this if I don't want to. And I resigned on my own, came back, worked for another month with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and started, after resigning, do, doing political consulting. And that's when I started talking about this off record and uh, to the presidential administration here in Kiev, through my former boss. Prosecutor General Yarama to deliver this message to the president of Ukraine. But this, this thing happened. It's going to cause some problems in the future. You have to do something about it. Change the ambassador, maybe do some management there in the embassy. But the president has to get involved and do this before the election process ends. But I was not heard when I talked about it privately, basically. Okay. But that's when I, I decided to do the interview with Politico when I was reached out. And Ken Vogel and David Stern, we were forgetting that they did a job investigating this. Right. Ken Vogel is one of, them also our uh, respected journalists today, and we he did an investigation on this. And Chalupa herself told that she was involved in this. She in, in that article in the Political January Seventeenth article, I uh, had a couple of lines there talking about my work, but she spoke most of the other article talking about what she was involved in, and she confirmed most of it. I don't know why she did it, but she confirmed the story herself from her side.
0: Let me go back to the Black uh, Ledger here. Um, it was released in August of 2016. You've said that it was it was done, you know, on the instructions of the Obama administration that they gave uh, Nabu back in January. Um, there was a director, uh, uh, Sitnik, and a member of parliament, Les I believe. Um, and they they are on tape. And you've said that they said many times that they influenced the election. They were working for the DNC to try to throw it to Hillary. Um, There is a tape that you mentioned and we have played. Uh, This was taken to court in Ukraine and it was uh, they, they were both found guilty. But then there was an appeal and the American press is reporting that it was thrown out on appeal, which to them translates to there wasn't a crime. They didn't commit it. But actually, it's a technicality. Can you explain the technicality that they, they got this thing thrown out on? Do you know
1: it? Look, yeah, I also understand. I, I, I don't know the details of this process on, on the appeal, but yeah, the first case, okay, the, the, the first stage of court, basically, the when they got the verdict, and the, the court they got a verdict. They got originally a verdict in the court of law in Ukraine. The appeal itself is in the process of where well, you have to appeal the first verdict. So basically, they already got a verdict at the first stage, and the court decided that they were guilty. But the problem is, in Ukraine, you cannot, there's no punishment for it. Maybe there's like a fine you're going to pay, or they already paid, or they're appealing this fine. But basically, there's no, they cannot be taken to prison or jail on this account. And this right. is the main thing, and what's, right. uh, there's a lot of also political influence not to push this narrative forward with the former government, the former President Poroshenko, where this appeal was in process, and he still has a lot of power in the government, and he can influence the court, because we don't have a jury that sits and decides. We have mm. a court, a judge, one three judges which decide... Uh, the, the, the faith of this uh, over the appeal and that's it and they could get a phone call from the top and tell them what to do and what to how to make a verdict unfortunately this is the country we live in today
0: all right so the u.s ambassador let's switch to her um uh yovanovich she was named the new u.s ambassador of ukraine in 2016 and i just Heard reports this week. She has been testifying here in uh, secret uh, hearings in Washington, D.C., uh, that are never kept oh so secret. Um, and she is painted as a warrior for justice by our media. Um, she uh, said that she was removed from her position because she was trying to stop the corruption uh, in Ukraine that donald trump and rudy giuliani were a part of uh and she dismisses uh any of the uh any of the charges that uh she was not allowing prosecutors visas to come in that she drew up a do not prosecute list tell me who she is and and how you know uh, anything about her? If you do,
1: it was when she became the ambassador, and as I said, it was not only her, but Mr. George Kent. You have know, to take him into consideration. He's now why are we talking about him? Because now he's assistant deputy, deputy, assistant deputy secretary of state within the State Department, and he oversees Ukraine today, and he reports to Pompeo today, and he was the puppet. Uh, the, the puppeteer who used to control the embassy. Ivanovich was there, but he was the main man. He used to tell Ivanovich what and who we should listen to. And the US embassy in Kiev under Ivanovich was basically anybody who would with conservative views, not only just views they don't not support, but any conservative views, they would block from communication. I used to work with Ambassador Piatt, who was pre, pre, before Ivanovich Ambassador Taft. And we used to coordinate a lot of work together, fighting the corruption under Yanukovych and doing a lot of other work. But when Ivanovich came as Ambassador George Kent, all the cooperation with not only me, but other people who had conservative views stopped because we were conservative. They only listened to UNTAC people, Soros people, like Leshchenko, like Sidney who would basically just come to their on their knees and listen to what the US Embassy would say. Anybody who would reject object to a decision of the US Embassy on any behalf, they would get blocked and not listened to, or get toxified, like I they tried to do with me. But what they did is they did tell and it was not only under on Ivanovich, but under previous ambassadors also who to investigate, who to prosecute, they would basically tell them in an orderly fashion, well, like in an order fashion, they would just tell, well, you should do this, you should not do this. And it was a norm for the US embassy, unfortunately. She could, the, she could call up the president and tell him, you should not touch this government official, You should." looking to this government official, and the president of Ukraine would have to take her call and do what she would say. Unfortunately, this is the reality, which also the mass media doesn't understand what happened in Ukraine. They don't dig in. When I talk to, I, I'm giving 12 interviews a, a day to every media. I'm talking to you, I'm talking to the mass media, I spoke to CNN and NBC. NBC didn't even air my interview because they told me your narrative is the most is the opposite from everybody you talked to. I said, but who do you talk to? He said, oh, we talk to untech people, we talk to nations. I said, of course, (laughs) you're going to hear only from them. They're going to protect themselves. You're going to hear from me another part of the story. Isn't this journalism? But nobody's doing their job today. That's the problem. That's where we're trying to dig to the truth through your program, through uh, other media sources, and to find out what really happened here in Ukraine. I was sticking to my story for two years or for three years now, after the political article came out about Chalufa, about the DNC involvement, and other things came out with other reporters, like with John Solomon from mm-hmm. January meeting. So this is there's a big story here in Ukraine with which we have to all investigate. That's what President Trump is asking. Please investigate, find out what happened in Ukraine. Was the US Embassy involved? Was Biden involved? We want the investigators from Ukraine and together with the DOJ and FBI to find out what really happened. And that's what Mr. Giuliani is doing. He's trying to get the pieces together to give it to the investigators to do their job. But the media and everybody else is trying to destroy this and destroy anybody who goes against this narrative. That's the problem here.
0: So part of the problem is, is that we don't know who the good guys and bad guys are. For for instance, um, General Lusanko, um, he was the guy that replaced uh, Shokin. Shokin, we're told, is a bad guy. You're saying that, you know, yes and no, Um, but he wasn't fired for corruption. Uh, He was fired because he was looking into the wrong things. Lushenko then comes in, and he's a guy that apparently the Obama administration likes, but now they're throwing him under the bus because he's now saying... Uh, for instance, um, the uh, the American ambassador tried to strong arm him, tell him who to prosecute, who not to prosecute. Do we that aligns with your story? But it sounded to me like you don't really like Lusenko. Is is he a good guy, bad guy, or just a little
1: of both? Lusenko, Lusenko when he came to Mr. Giuliani this year with information. And he talked about the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine, about the list, who would prosecute, about to prosecute, about Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma, and everybody else, which was mentioned later on in the media. He came with an to of in power. That's what he tried to do. But he brought real evidence. He brought, he brought real documents to Mr. Giuliani to confirm the story. And Mr. Giuliani did talk to him for three days. He basically interrogated him in, in questioning about what what was his story, his background, with all this information. And that's when only Mr. Giuliani took back that we can believe this guy. But today we have to understand that Lucenico backed out of his words, and this is what the media is trying to use against Giuliani and against me and against anybody else. That, oh, look, Lucenico backed out of his statements.
0: he uh, didn't.
1: He backed out because that's... But like he partially he backed it, he said, Oh, but Hunter maybe was not involved and maybe he is involved and he basically that's his story today, that's what he's trying to push. But he brought new documents, he brought new evidence saying that it was true. And but that's we, where but what we, this process
0: This is really confusing because the only thing that we have been able to find, because everybody is Everybody's in a circle. The New York Times is quoting the Post and the Post is quoting the Wall Street Journal and the Wall Street Journal's, you know, quoting the Washington Post. We can't find where he actually took back these statements. What we did find is him in an interview saying um, the reporter said, so, wait a minute. So the the ambassador comes in and she she gives you this list. And he said, no. She didn't give me a list. I wrote down the names that she gave me. And that's where the media is saying he reversed himself, at least on the list. We haven't found anything else that he has reversed himself on. So what is what are you saying that he reversed himself on?
1: Here in the Ukrainian media, he tried to back out of the story that Hunter Biden but as I said, there's, he has he has sworn statement to Mr. Giuliani that he his evidence is true. Why he's a politician? He's, maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's not. But he's a politician. He tried to use this to same power. But his words are true. And as I said, this is I'm saying I don't want people to think that I'm sucking up to some somebody or not. I I don't like him. I know that he we have to recheck who he is and what he is, but. His words when he came to Mr. Glenn about Borisma about Biden, and about what the embassy, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine was telling him not to prosecute or who to prosecute is true. It is true. And this is what we also have to take into consideration, but we also have to be careful when, he's, when the mass media is trying to say, oh, he's backing out of his words. He's backing out of his statements. This is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Even though if he would ever try to back out of his statements, there's a sworn statement to Mr. Giuliani that he has clear evidence that what he said is true. Okay, and so well, you're. That's you're is what he's you, saying.
0: If I understand this right, you're not arguing with me on the, um, you know, the uh, who to prosecute and who not to prosecute. You're saying that he backed out of the statement of. Uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, that he had done something wrong. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's what he backed out of the statement a couple okay. of okay. A couple months or weeks ago. I okay. don't remember okay. what okay. All
0: right. Do he, you but, have...
1: He's a, he's, a, he's a politician. Unfortunately, he's a politician. Right. And he tried to stay in power. And I'm just difficult to understand. But if the Trump administration was corrupt enough, they would keep him in power. They would tell Zelensky, don't touch Lutsenko." He's a he's a guy that we're going. To, we have to keep him in power. Let him investigate uh, right. the Bidens. Let him investigate because he came to us. But they didn't do that. If B- Biden would do that, Biden would keep him in power. I and mean, he would say, "Oh, let's keep him because I like him. He, he's protecting me." But Trump didn't do that. He just mentioned his name. The Seneca he was a good guy during the conversation. to Zelensky, but he never asked Zelensky to keep him in power or keep him as the prosecutor. Or let right. him stay as the head of a political party. They never did this, and this is what. As an example to the public, why somebody's maybe this side is saying the truth here, because they're not trying to tell Ukraine do what to do, Correct. requesting and asking for help.
0: So um, the evidence that um, Lusenko claimed to have uh, around Joe Biden, Shokin, Hunter Biden, he said he had a whole bunch of stuff uh, and he would he wanted to get it to the DOJ. And it actually went to, he finally got it through once we had a change in administrations and that evidence went to America um, and it went to the Southern District of New York and they passed on the information. Do we have where is that information now? Where is that evidence? Do, do we know?
1: no i no don't idea. know about that okay.
0: um the the new president uh zelensky is i mean he he ran to say it was an unconventional uh campaign uh, would be like describing donald trump as george washington uh it, zelensky is it, it's my understanding he didn't really even debate anyone he didn't really talk about policies nobody knew what he was going to do um, and he comes in. Is he? Is he going to be strong enough? And is he uh, the kind of guy that you think can help clean this up? Is he going to play it straight, or what's your impression yeah, of him? There
1: is some internal, there is some internal fighting going on within the Ukrainian politics right now, and when the story with Biden rose up in the in the World and mass media, it was a fact when there was starting to get changes within the internal politics in Ukraine. And that's when people, so was people like Pinchuk Oligar, who was a big donor to the Hillary Foundation, more than $10 million officially, unofficially more than a million gave. And he started to basically move aside people like Kolomoisky and other oligarchs who had some influence over Zelensky and start to put his people. In, by the order of uh, the Democratic Party or liberal, liberals, start to put his people in their seats. And when Zelensky appointed the prosecutor general who's acting today, he thought it was his guy. When, that's what he told President Trump in the July phone call. But today we see that Mr. the prosecutor general of Ukraine, Mr. Yaboshatka, is a totally pro Soros person because he's appointing former. Soros people who were affiliated with the Open World Foundation and getting grant money from USAID and the Open World Foundation, Renaissance, which is part of the Soros Group. And he's reporting them as deputies in their prosecutor's office. So this is right now Zelensky, who thought who had power over the, the government, is going to fight back. And we're going to see in the next couple of months, hopefully, there's going to be changes in the prosecutor's office. He wants to investigate this. Zelensky said, I want our system to investigate this and to turn this page over and we want to forget about this story. We don't want to be mentioned in the media in this way ever again. That's why I want the prosecutor to take over this investigation. But unfortunately, the prosecutor today cannot be trusted and Zelensky will have to change him in the next couple of months. So
0: is this who the president was referring to when he said, we think you still have the same kind of people around you in that phone call?
1: (laughs) Not only not only this, but there was also people like Chu Leshenko and uh, people who were like Lavrovshka, also the prosecutor general. But the main guy was probably Pinchuk he was talking about. That's the oligarch who was involved with Hillary and helped give gave her money to the Open World Foundation.
0: What was the, what the talk? The what was the talk about um, when the president started talking about the servers? The DNC servers and the uh, what was it Crossroads? I think it was uh, do, uh, you know, CrowdStrike. What what was that all about? Do you know?
1: I think I think that's what they wanted to find out. Are these servers in Ukraine, which the DNC put them here? The problem the issue is here, is here people don't have to understand Ukraine is maybe some foreign country to most Americans. But for the for the Democratic Party and for Soros is a big hub, which they which they use for more than twenty years, and investing millions and millions of dollars into this country, into their operatives who work on the ground here and giving them grant money, who are basically loyal to them. And basically, so it, they can only trust Ukraine. In the
0: it's kind of like which a black. It's kind of Democratic like a black ops for the DNC yeah. and Soros. Yeah. Okay.
1: Basically what the Democratic Party and the Liberals are oh, going against Trump with Russia, they did the same thing in Ukraine. So, so now they're using the, this narrative to <laughs> against right. Trump and that's it.
0: Right. Okay, so now let me let me go to Rudy Giuliani, who you have spoken to several times. Rudy Giuliani um uh is now they're now saying that Um, there are these two operatives, actually three of them, two of them been arrested. Um, and they wanted in on some corrupt, uh, oil, uh, business that they weren't supposed to be running and they needed to get some people out of the way. One of them was the ambassador. And one of them was, I think, uh, I can't remember one of the other prosecutors, Uh, And so they needed to get these people fired. They paid him, and Rudy Giuliani has admitted to taking $500,000 from him. They made an illegal campaign contribution. But the narrative is that Rudy Giuliani is only doing these things and only fired these ambassadors because he was trying to help them make money and basically do what the Democrats are accusing Hunter Biden uh, or what the Republicans are accusing Hunter Biden of doing that this is just all about corruption and money for Rudy Giuliani.
1: From what I know, i talking to Mr. Giuliani and I still talk to him today over the phone and we call, call each other once a week. And When I come to you, I see him uh, every time. So basically what we're talking about here is a possibility of corruption from the, what the media, mass media is trying to implement. But when I talked to Mr. Giuliani, he was confidential, politically involved. And he told me, look, I'm doing this for the president of the United States. I cannot lobby because I know the president. I am just doing this work as his attorney and I cannot do any other business other than this. That's why I trusted him. So any all of these stories that are in the media today, they have to be investigated and proven in court. I cannot comment on them. Okay. I know that Parnas, Truman, and all these other guys, they were running around, they were doing some job, but what they were doing and how they were doing, it, I don't know because I did not contact them. I only was in contact with Giuliani directly.
0: Okay. Um, but your view of Verdi Giuliani at this point is that he is, uh, you know, um, for lack of a better term, a Boy Scout just trying to do right by Ukraine and the president and get to the bottom of how this corruption was working.
1: Yes, when we meet, he has this this whole huge couple of books, which he writes out, everything, his staff even, no less. He knows more about Ukraine than a lot of Ukrainians, probably, you tell him a name, he knows who's the guys connected to who, which is his connection circle, where he gets the money from money. He has that from evidence documents people give to him. Why people go to Mr. Giuliani, we have to understand it today. It's because the official channels, like Mesut Senko talked about giving this information to the DOJ, these documents, nobody knows where they are right now. And nobody, everybody was blocked beforehand. And when people found out Giuliani and Mr. Giuliani was doing this work, everybody came to him. That's why he came to him. I want to tell him like, this is what I have. I want to give this, provide this to the U.S. authorities. I want to give this to you for you to also know. He wrote it down. He took it into the fact, and this is why everybody came to Giuliani at this basically moment. This spring, it wasn't some coup or it wasn't some conspiracy. It was just the fact that people found out that there was a channel to go to. People just right. went this channel.
0: How does this story end? I mean, you have two Titanic forces. I mean, they're just uh, they could, and they're both intent on sinking the other. They they each think. Th- they're the iceberg, not the Titanic. Both sides are coming at each other. Um, the media has almost total control of this story. Thank God that there are a few people speaking out. But when you're looking at you know shows like mine as an investigative arm, that's pretty frightening to think that that is the state of the media right now. I don't see the media... Waking up to your version or my version of the story. How does this end?
1: I hope it's going to be a good finish not an end, but a good finish. And uh, we have to investigate. That's this is the only outcome. If we don't, there's going to be a problem, which this issue is going to be up in the air for years, months and years to come. This election, then the Hunter Biden will want to go for election. This is gonna come up, and, or something like this. It's gonna always be in the media, and we have to find out what is going on, what is the truth, who saw the truth? There's the media, Is the Democratic Party, Is the Republican Party, Is Trump, Zelensky, Biden. This is for not for us to decide. We're just experts here. You're a journalist, I'm an expert, i and a witness in all this situation. I wanna give this to somebody who's gonna investigate, a proper professional, and give it to court, and then we can decide this is what the rule of law, this is what democracy is about. Not for us to sit down and point fingers and say, this guy's innocent, this guy's guilty. This is how it's gonna finish, only with the proper investigation and without the outline of this investigation from Ukraine and from the United States parallel. And when the, it has to be public, when, when I'm gonna end this investigation, it has to be public. And for people to decide for themselves Who is right? Who is wrong in this? And if needed, somebody will have to go to jail.
0: Andrei Teloshenko, I have a feeling we'll talk again. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.